0: On Colossians, we're still in chapter One. I know that's shocking but uh if you were to think about if you were to think about a an, uh um prestigious company to work for what what kind of companies kind of somebody that uh, a company that somebody would really desire to work for like, I've got my, my best friend, uh, Eric Maddox. Uh, where's Dave at? I wanted him to hear that. Did he go out? It hurts his feelings when I say that. No, Eric is a very good friend, very good friend of mine. Dave is my best friend. But Eric Maddox works for Samsung. He's pretty high up in Samsung. And uh, Samsung, so that's a pretty reputable company, you know. What's another company that is, is somebody, uh, you know, a company that people would want to work for? Google. Work for Google, right. Do they have a special name for people that work for Google? I don't know, googles. <laughs> what, what's another one? Hazel Green Funeral Home. <laughs> yes. Chick fil A? All right, Chick fil A, who else? Apple, right? Apple. Christy Mays worked for Apple. We got our own, what do they call you? Uh, what's your name? <laughs> don't you have like a special name for Apple people? genius, yeah, it's genius, Apple geniuses, that's what it is, Hmm? oh, ah, so you don't work at the genius bar, one day, one day, okay, yeah, Toyota around here, just reputable companies like, man, I want to work for them, you know, I'm proud to say I work for this company, Now, what are some disreputable companies? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going there. But anyway, there are reputable companies that you want to work for, and there are disreputable companies that you wouldn't want to work for. You might be ashamed that you work for, but you have to work there. But either way, no, we're not going to name the disreputable. So today, Lonus Electric Company. That's right. That's what I like to hear. Amen. Come on, business plugs all over Facebook right now. Um, So... So here, here's the thing. The the point of getting at is there are there are certain uh, companies, certain uh, uh, businesses that you really would like to to work for because of their reputation or what they do, or how they're viewed in the public arena. And so, what Paul is talking about here in Colossians one is why you would want to live for Jesus. That's that's the point he's making here in Colossians one. In fact. Two weeks ago, uh, when, we, when, we, when I preached, we looked at specifically uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 12. But I want to read verses 9 and 10 just to remind you. And this uh, should be in your bulletin. If not, it's on the screen and in, um, it's definitely in your Bible. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, Paul says, From the day that we heard about you Colossians and your faith in Christ, we have not ceased to pray for you, and look what Paul prays for, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will, or Jesus' will, either one, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And what we said, what we said is that, God, that Paul's prayer was that we would know the, the, the will of God, or the desires of God, okay, he wanted us to understand the desires of God, So that we could live a life that God deserves. We could know what God desires so that we could live like God deserves. And specifically, I noticed, he says, so that you could walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And the Lord actually is Jesus. So really, Paul's prayer is that we would know the will of God, what God desires, so that we could live like Jesus deserves. So this morning, we're going to start probably this week and next week, Lord willing. But we're going to talk about why Jesus deserves our life. Why, why does he deserve us to live in a certain way? What is so special about him that, that, that is worthy of me transforming and changing my entire life to line up with him and what he says and who he is, okay? And Paul lists over the next several verses some of the weightiest sentences and clauses in the Bible, okay? Um, And and I, I saw it in kind of two different parts. One is, one reason we should live a life for Jesus is because of who Jesus is. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Also, because of what Jesus has done, what he does. We're going to talk about that next week. This week, we're going to look at why is Jesus worthy because of who Jesus is. So, you all ready to get into this? All right. Who is Jesus? Who does Paul say Jesus is? We're going to read verses 14 through 19. And where I put brackets where it says Jesus, that's where it says he or him or his, okay? So, I just, I just put Jesus in there if you see those brackets. Paul said in Jesus we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. That's good news, but that's not this week. That's next week. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Jesus, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. You see why Jesus may be worthy of living your life for? Hopefully you do. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything Jesus might be preeminent. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Jesus' cross. Cross, And that is why Jesus is worth living for right there. All right, let's close in prayer. Now, I I, I want to show you, all right, I want to just... Show you these things in a little more detail. There's eight things, and y'all know how long it takes me to preach three things. I'm going to spend a little longer on some of them than I am on others. We're going to cover all eight because Paul did. And uh, this is about Jesus, by the way. We're here for Him. So just keep that in mind. First of all, verse 15, Paul says He's the image of the invisible God, Jesus. Is the image of the invisible God. So the first thing Paul says is consider Jesus's person. Consider Jesus's person. That's your first fill in the blank. If you're a blank filler in her like Davana is, Davana is a blank. She's where Davana go? She disappeared with David. There's Dave. Hey Dave, love you. Jesus, it, the person of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it like this. In the beginning, John chapter 1, by the way, which is also in your notes. No, it's not in your notes. I had to take it out for room. It'll be on the screen. It's also in your Bible. Check it out. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning, John says, was the Word, capital Word, Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everybody say, the Word was God. Keep that in mind. Very important in your doctrine, in what you believe. The Word was God. Not the Word was just like God or just a representation of God. The Word was God. And He was also in the beginning. We'll get there. He was in the beginning with God. Okay? Okay? And all things were made through him, notice it says him, the word is not an it, the word is a him, all things were made through him and without him, the word, not anything was made, that was made, we'll talk about that next week, in him was life and that life was the light of men, in who was life, Jesus, the word, and then verse 14, John 1, 14 And the Word became flesh. That Word that was God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul says, when you consider whether or not Jesus is worthy of living your life for, consider who He is. And Paul's answer of who He is, is that He is God. He is the invisible God, made visible. He is God in human form. I just want to ask you, does that give him credibility? Does that give him authority? Does that make, give him a little reason to go, hey, you should do what I say. You should live your life for me. He is God. Consider who Jesus is. He's God. So he's worthy. That alone makes him worthy to live your life for. In fact, God deserves for you to live your life for him. And Jesus deserves, everybody say deserves. Deserves. I want you to think about that. Jesus deserves for you to live your life for him. And when you don't give someone what they deserve, that is injustice, isn't it, Parker? That's injustice. And nobody likes injustice. You don't like injustice. You don't like injustice. Just have somebody cut in front of you at McDonald's. Oh, no, uh uh-uh. Huh? How about a parking place that you've been having your blinker on waiting and somebody rushes in and gets right in front of you? No, 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 no. no. You know what that is that rises up in you is that's injustice and that's wrong. Let I me mean, just say, God hates injustice as well. And when you don't give Jesus what he deserves, it's injustice. And injustice deserves to be punished. Don't punch that guy in the face that gets your parking lot. Vengeance is mine says, yes, remember it. leave it up to him. All right, Jesus' person makes Jesus worthy to live his life for. He's the image of the invisible God. Secondly, consider Jesus' peculiarity. Oh, that's easy to say. Consider Jesus' peculiarity. He says in verse 15, He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the firstborn of all creation. This passage of scripture, this little clause right here, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation has brought about some some false doctrine that teaches that Jesus was the first thing that God ever created. You ever heard that? And and that Jesus was the first thing that was ever created. In other words, before God created anything else, God created Jesus. And then, through Jesus, he created everything else. And they they point to this verse because he's the firstborn of all creation. Here's why people believe that. Because the word firstborn, throughout Scripture, does have the meaning of the first one. The firstborn was the typically the first male child that came from a, a father and a mother. My, my firstborn, my firstborn would be Trinity. My firstborn son would be Nathan. Okay, it means the first one. So if, if, that's, if it's the first one to ever exist and Jesus is the firstborn of creation, then you would just, it would make sense that Jesus was the first thing ever created. That does make sense, okay? However, firstborn is also used in Scripture, not to mean the first to ever exist, but it also is used just in the most distinguished and the highest. In Psalm chapter 89, verse 26, I'm sorry, verse 27. Psalm eighty-nine, twenty-seven. David is writing this, this psalm, and he quotes God. He says, God says, I will make him, referring either to David and possibly to Jesus, by the way. But he says, I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. So what he's talking about there is David or Jesus, whichever one. Let's say David. I will make David the firstborn. What does he mean by that? Is he the first king that ever existed? No. He's the highest of the kings of the earth. You see that? The most distinguished. All right. So go back to Colossians chapter 1 where Paul says he's the firstborn of all creation. That would still imply that even though he wasn't the first thing that was ever created, he is the most distinguished thing that was ever created, right? We still have the problem. We still have Jesus being created. All right So here's the deal. Jesus could not have been created because all things that were created were created by Him. You see that? Look at the very next. look at verse um, we were at, yeah, 16 back in Colossians 1, for by him all things were created. If you go back to John 1, it says, John 1, 3, all three, yeah, go back to John 1, 3 if you would. Wearing you out. Oh, there we go, okay, thank you. What did you just do, Joseph? Whatever you just did made it work. Look at this is John 1 3. All things were made through Jesus. Listen to what it says. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. So if something was made, it was made by Jesus. Same thing Paul says in verse uh, 16. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So here's what it can't mean that he's the firstborn of all creation, that he's the first thing that was created, because he created everything. And he cannot create himself. Okay, this is is philosophical. I hope we don't lose everybody, but you need to understand this so you can defend this. Because people believe and teach that Jesus was the first thing ever created. And I want you to be able to defend why that's not true when it seems to say it. Here's the truth. Jesus could not be the first thing that's ever created because Jesus created everything that was created. And Jesus cannot create himself. Nothing can create itself. In order for something to create itself, it had to exist before it existed. You see that? Before I create something, I've got to exist. And if I am the creation, then I could not have created myself. The universe could not have created itself, because the universe would have had to exist before it existed. (laughs) Okay. So Jesus, now here's this is this is scripture. Jesus created everything that was created, and Jesus cannot create itself. That's it's not rational. It's not logical. So how can he be the firstborn, the most distinguished of all creation when he was not created? Are you ready? We actually already looked at it. He was incarnated. He was not created. He entered into creation through the incarnation. You see the difference? Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He 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 be, he came into creation. He is a part of creation. But not because he was created, but because he he left his home above and became human. The word became flesh. He existed in the beginning with God. He did not come into existence when he became flesh. He existed already, but he came into flesh form into creation. Therefore, when you look at everything that was ever physical, ever existed, Jesus is the greatest. He's the greatest God. He's also the greatest man that ever lived. So when you look at everything in creation, everything that ever walked the face of the earth, Jesus is the greatest thing ever. He is peculiar. Therefore, I put that word in there because it starts with a P and O. have taken me 13 hours to get them all to start with a p but it all they all start with but his peculiar you I can't even say it peculiarity peculiarity easy enough what makes him peculiar what makes him different he's the highest of all creation because he's different than anything else why he had god's dna you ever thought about that He had god's dna nobody has ever had god's dna and nobody ever had god's dna after him not before after Jesus had Mary's DNA, but he also had God's DNA. That's special. That makes him worthy, by the way. That makes him different. He was born of a virgin. Know anybody else like that? Doesn't happen. This was before in vitro fertilization. This was before you could, he was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary. That makes him different. That makes him special. That makes him peculiar. Jesus lived a sinless life. Anybody out there? Anybody? You don't live a sinless life. Nobody ever has except Jesus. Jesus is special. Jesus is different. Jesus is the only person to ever die that didn't deserve to. That qualifies him as the firstborn of all creation. And then if we go back to Jesus' I am statements, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. I am the the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. All that makes Jesus different and special than anybody else. More peculiar. Consider his Anybody can see anybody say it? Peculiarity. Peculiarity. Put that on the screen if you would. Peculiarity. Because they'll never get the spelling of it by listening to me pronounce it. He was peculiar. He was different. Therefore, he's worthy. Okay? For that reason, he's worthy. For those reasons I just told you, he's worthy. Could you explain to somebody why Jesus is the firstborn of creation, but he wasn't created? I hope so. I hope so to keep you from error. If not, you got it in your notes. Write it down. Look it up, okay? Thirdly, <clears throat> thirdly. Again, we're talking about why is he worthy of living for? He is God. He's different than anybody that's ever lived. More special, highest. Third, consider Jesus' perspective. In verse 17, Paul says that Jesus is before all things. What does that mean? Exactly what we read in John, Right? In the beginning was the Word. We know that's Jesus, right? So in the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. Jesus has always existed. Jesus is eternal. That makes Him special. Nobody else like Him. Jesus is eternal. Jesus told people that He was eternal and they hated Him for it. He was talking to the Jews. And he said this in John 8, 56 through 58, which is in your Bible and on the screen. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my days, and Abraham saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Are you telling me you talked with Abraham? How do you know Abraham? Abraham lived so long ago, and you ain't even 50 yet. You little whippersnappers. He's talking to people older than he was. You little young whippersnapper. You coming up telling us all these things. You don't know who Abraham is. How do you know Abraham? I know Abraham better than you know Abraham. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before, look what he says, before Abraham existed, I am. Now here's what Jesus meant when he said, I am. He was identifying himself with God Almighty. Okay? That's when he said that. Now, first of all, I am means I exist. That's what it means. I exist. Before Abraham was, not I existed, because that means he could have been created, could have been made, could have been formed, and just born at an earlier time. No, no, no. Jesus says, before Abraham existed, I exist. Never been a time when Jesus didn't exist. He was identifying himself with that same God of Moses that we sang about. Who called, who called Moses from the burning bush. And, and when Moses came over, he's telling him, you've got to go to e- e- Egypt and tell Pharaoh what? Can you sing it? Let my people go. Alright, that's what he had to go That's what he had to go to, let my people go. I want you to go do that. And Moses says, look what, verse 13, Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel who are slaves in Egypt, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what shall I say to him? What's God's name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am, or I am that I am. And look what he says, when, when you say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. In other words, what is my name? I am. And so coming right back around to Jesus talking to the Jews, and he says before Abraham was, I am, he's saying that was me. I'm he. And they knew it too, because right after Jesus said that, it says they picked up stones And we're going to stone him. Why? Because he's saying, I'm God. And Jesus just walked out of the middle of them. You know why? It wasn't his time. Let me just say, if it ain't your time, you can just walk right in the middle of them. That's why we cannot fear when they're in the the valley of the shadow of death. Easier said than done. I still get scared when I hear a noise in the dark. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Or see spiders. But theoretically, we shouldn't be scared of anything. (laughs) Oh, me. It's not dying that I'm worried about. It's the pain that comes along with before it happens, right? So anyway, Jesus said I exist. What does he say? I have always been. There's never been a moment when I wasn't there. And I just want to bring in, um, you know, have you ever seen the farmer's insurance commercial? We know a thing or two. Because we've seen a thing or two. How about this? Jesus knows a thing or two because he's seen a thing or two. You know what he's seen? Everything that's ever happened. Everything that's ever been said. Every consequence of everything anybody's ever done ever. And he's like, hey, listen, I saw this guy walk down that path and it led to destruction. Don't go down that path. I know a thing or two. I've been there forever. I've been around forever. I know, how, I know how the devil works in your life. I want you to be aware of his schemes and not fall for it. He is from the beginning. And so consider his perspective. He's always been around, therefore he's wise. He knows enough to be, give you good advice and lead you down the right path. Trust his perspective. He's worthy. That, that, for that reason, he is worthy. In verse 18, Paul comes and he kind of switches gears a little bit and he talks about Jesus' worthiness in the church. By the way, the letter of Colossians was written to church people. So far, what we've looked at is the first three things is why Jesus should be lived for whether or not you're a Christian. It is Jesus deserves to be lived for no matter who you are. But specifically, and especially if you're a church member, if you are a Christian, here's why he deserves to be lived for. Verse 18, Christ is the head of the body, the church. So number four is consider Jesus' position. Consider Jesus' position in church authority. How many of you ever had somebody you did not want to do what they told you to do, but they were your boss and you had to do it? They were your authority and you had to do it. If you were a kid, you did this because your parents were the authority and you had to do it or you didn't do something because they told you to do it because it was their authority to tell you. You didn't like it, you didn't want to do it, but you did it. Your wife, <laughs> Miss Jennifer, he's just, he's just joking. <clears throat> you do it and you like it, Francisco. <laughs> uh, Jesus is the head of the church. He, gets the, he He's the head coach. He's the head honcho. There's nobody above him when it comes to the church. He gets to decide how you live, what you do, why you do what you do, how things should go, how you should feel about certain situations, how you should react and respond to certain situations. He gets to tell you you need to forgive them and not hit them. You need to love them and not hate them. You need to do good to them and not do evil to them. He gets to tell you that because he's the head of the church and you're a part of the church. You're part of the church. God put you, you are part of the body of Christ. He gets to say. Now let me just say this. I don't want to be part of the kingdom. I don't want to hang out with those people. I don't want to love those people. I don't want to be around anybody. I want to be by myself. That's not your call. You want to do your own thing? You're not part of the church. You're excluding yourself from the church. Jesus said this is my church. It's my body. And this is what you're going to do in my body because I designed it to work that way. And you can choose not to do it, but you're going to do so at your own peril and at your own detriment. And people do it all the time because because they live for themselves and what they want to do. I'm telling you, he is the head of the church. He gets to tell us what to do. That's That's why we woke up this morning. I mean, I looked forward to breakfast but I would have enjoyed sleeping in today. Would have enjoyed it. Would have been nice just to lay there and not even turn the alarm clock on. Right? Just hang out. We're here today because of the Lordship of Jesus. He's the head. Consider his position in church authority. Secondly there, number five, he says he is the beginning. Now this is different than he is before all. Him being the beginning is not just that he's always existed. Him being the beginning means He started this whole thing. So consider Jesus' place in church history. Consider His place in church history. Jesus started the church. He initiated the church. The church did not exist before Jesus came and started it. Okay, Before He started, there was Israel and there were Gentiles there was Israel and there was Gentiles and Jesus came on the scene and He lived and He died and He rose again and He said I'm going to make a third group of people there's Israelites, there are Gentiles and now there is the church and the church is made up of Israelites who are no longer first and foremost Israelites, they're first and foremost Christians And Gentiles, who are first and foremost no longer Gentiles, first and foremost they are Christians. And Jesus said, and Paul teaches, that he takes the two and makes them one, joins them together. And therefore there's no dividing wall of hostility. Jesus, Jesus started the church. Jesus is the founder of the church. Chick-fil-A was brought up a little while ago. Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy made sure Chick-fil-A operated in a certain way. And you know why he could say we're going to be closed on Sundays even though we're missing out on millions and millions of dollars? You'd think if he would have let the business owners decide that they would have done it? Absolutely not. But Truett Cathy said if you're going to be in my organization and my franchise, you are going to close your doors on Sunday. I don't care how many millions of dollars of revenue you miss out on. Why? Because he's the founder. I'm the founder and I can decide that. I can make that decision. Jesus is the founder of the church. He gets to decide. He gets to choose. He gets to say. He instituted. For that reason, he's worthy for us to live our lives for. Number six. Those of you who are counting, that's almost eight. Number six. Consider Jesus' power over death. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn from the dead. All right, so, so going back to firstborn, okay, doesn't mean that Jesus was the first one to raise from the dead. He wasn't. Shunammites woman. Dude that was thrown on Elisha's bones. While we sing Rattle, just ask the, the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha what happens. With, Okay, Jesus was not the first, Lazarus was raised from the dead before Jesus was raised from, the, raised from the dead. So what does it mean that he's first born from the dead? It means that he is the highest, the best, the, the most special one that was ever raised from the dead. Or the most special one who ever died. <clears throat> what makes him so special if not that he raised from the dead? Because Lazarus raised from the dead why is Jesus so special, here's why Hmm? he didn't die again, that's right that's a good answer, he didn't die again poor Lazarus, (laughs) had that behind him, and is like, sorry Bubba, (laughs) for the glory of God that's true It's not what I was going to say, but that's true, that is good um Jesus is the only one that was raised from the dead that paved the way for everybody else to be raised from the dead as well. His resurrection made it possible for you and I to live and never die again. See it? He he paved the way and he said, I'm going to pioneer this path, which is a good P word. I should have put that in there somewhere. I tried. All right, so he was the pioneer of this this way for... uh, for, for victory, for resurrection he says because I live you are going to live also if you're in me, if I'm your Lord, if you're following me you're going to live also that makes Jesus special that, that Shunammite son that was raised from the dead now he didn't pave the way for me to be raised from the dead he was raised from the dead and it was, it was done that guy was thrown in the bones of Elisha he was raised from the dead but didn't pave the way Lazarus' resurrection it didn't pave the way for me to be raised from the dead I saw the glory of God but I didn't see any hope for me to be raised from the dead But Jesus said, when I, because I live, you will live also. I pave the way. Consider his power over death and his pioneering over death. Man, I wish I would have used pioneering. But, But because of that, he is worthy. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He's worthy, right? That alone, he's worthy. Number seven. Consider Jesus's, this is a great word, preeminence. You may tell you where I got the word preeminence. It actually says it in the verse. That in everything he might be preeminent. Verse 18 still. What does preeminent mean? Preeminent means extremely distinguished. It means different. It means special. We were singing holy. You are holy. What does that mean? Holy means different, special, unique, peculiar. Consider Jesus' preeminence. Consider what all he did. Superior to everybody else. Better than anybody else. Oh, there's nothing better than you. though, there's nothing. Better than, what are we saying? You turn, you turn graves into gardens. You bring, give beauty for ashes. You turn, turn bones into armies. That's what we're talking about. His preeminence. He's superior. And lastly, everybody say lastly. It's If we would go ahead and get the, yeah, communion. We're going to be taking communion together today. Consider Jesus' perfection. Colossians 119. For in him, I want you to just think about this. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It means there was nothing lacking in Jesus when it comes to God. No lack. Nothing lacking. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, he's about to, to, to die and, and he says uh, they say Jesus here's what we want to ask you to do for us before you go and this is all we're going to ask this is after they would already asked we want to sit one at your right hand one at your left uh, they'd already Father he said well, Jesus we got a serious question we think you'll like this one <coughs> show us the Father like we just want to see God same thing Moses asked show me your glory Lord show us the Father and that will be enough for us. We want to see God. We, we, we're, here. we're here with the Son of God. Surely he can introduce us to his daddy. <laughs> could you just introduce us? I've, I've read where um, Abraham Lincoln, he was president. This guy kept trying to get in to talk to President Lincoln. He could not get in not get in and he goes and he sits on a bench outside the white house and a little boy's out there just running around playing and he says why are you so sad And he tells him and he's like come with me and he gets him by the hand he goes and he goes in the back door of the white house and he walks through all security He brings him into the the office and there stands president lincoln it turned out it was it was abraham lincoln's son who had access to the father That's what they're thinking. They don't know Abraham Lincoln yet. But that's what they're thinking. We can get in. If you're the son, you can get us into the father. Show us the father and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You're not like, there ain't nothing more than what you see right now. I'm it. You're not missing anything. But you think about that. When you Serve Jesus, you are serving nothing less than God Almighty. And because of that, He's worthy. So I want you to look, now listen, I want, you to, I want you to think about this. We didn't cover it all. We covered eight things. There's more things we're going to talk about next week that Paul uses. But you just look at those eight things. Is Jesus worthy? of you giving your life for? Does he have credibility to be able to to say, hey, I want you to do this, and you do it? To say, hey, come follow me, and you follow? Boy, he is worthy. You're not going to find a more worthy cause than Jesus. So let me ask you, why are you living your life for something else? You replace Jesus with anything and you have lowered your aim, especially if you're on the throne. Let me, just, let me just ask you to put your name in that. And just see how you measure up with all those eight things. Are you the image of the invisible God? Oh, I was created. I, I was made in God's image. I am, Yes, mankind was made in the image of God. But before Abraham was, I was <laughs> not You look at me, let me just tell you, you watch me, I fall short. Like there are parts of me that hit the mark, and there are parts of me that, that fall way short. Sinless life, no, you don't want to look at me for that. Not even today, you don't want to look at me for that. Jesus is worthy of you giving your life for him. So give your life to him. He's worthy of you living your life for him. Live your life for him. I beg you. I beg you. Praise and worship team, if you guys would come up.